Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Okay, welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. Jason Stein here, your host, as always, and with me, Mr. Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic today. Good to see you again. We've been seeing a lot of each other lately. Uh, yes. Are you getting tired of me yet? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely tired <laughs> of me. Okay, well, hey, in between uh, our last conversation, and I'm sure this will air before it happens, uh, QuickBooks Connect went live with registration. Did you know yes, that? Yes, I did know that. Well, I said on the programming team for QBC, and that's uh, we've been working hard to put together a really cool program for everybody. Uh, re- very exciting year. A little little different. We're you know bringing some some new blood, new speakers to the forefront, and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. But it's going to be sold out, so don't wait to buy your ticket. I already bought my ticket yesterday when it went live. I'm going to resell it at a higher price later on in case I decide I don't want to go. You know, we that's this is the first year that we're able to do that. We're opening so we're opening up the registration. We're encouraging people, hey, don't wait. Buy your ticket because we know it's going to sell out. But for the first time, you can actually transfer your ticket to someone else. Not that we're encouraging people to hawk tickets to QBC, but I'm sure there will be some of that. <laughs> You know, in, in addition to that, you know what's also interesting? Uh, what's that? My Intuit stock, which I bought at various prices, finally hit the five hundred dollar mark. Oh, the other did day. It? I, I know if you that. knew that. I did not. That's cool. That's a big milestone. I don't think we've ever hit high five hundred before. I think this I first remember five hundred. It'll go up. It'll go down. But uh, it's now past that plateau. So uh, you never can tell where it's going to go. I guess uh, you'll yeah. check it out. We're looking, looks like we're hovering at the 490s. You know, it's funny, 25 years ago when I started with Intuit, our company stock was, uh, I think, 90 bucks a share. Uh, so that's just a testament of our growth. And if you ever, if you held on to it, uh, you know, maybe someday you'll be able to move to a bigger chicken coop. <laughs> right. With less roosters, hopefully. So uh, what, well, what, do we, what do we got today? We got someone who likes to count pennies and turn those pennies into bigger dollars and... Uh, supposedly has reliable tax expertise. Speaking of growth, yes, we have Mr. Randy Hughes with us today from CPA Pennies. Uh, Randy uh, has built quite a uh, cool business, really largely centered around tax advisory. And uh, we wanted to bring him on the show, do something a little bit different. We talk a lot about thought leadership on the show, David, at kind of a higher level. And um, so Randy was kind enough to give up some of his time. Welcome to the show, Randy, by the way. Pleasure to be here. Gentlemen, yes, nice to be here with you. Really glad to have you because um, you know we're we're really eager to hear about um, kind of digging in on how you go about these tax advisory services. You know, David Randy's a member of our tax council, I think you know, and um, and uh, you know one of the big reasons that we wanted to bring him on was was because of his unique business and what he's been able to do and and some of the stories that he's got to tell. So I'm super excited to have you here, Randy, to share your experiences with our audience. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Oh, yeah. No, man, it's our privilege. Uh, so let's start off with just a little bit about your journey. Tell us, you know, kind of how did you get to where you are here today? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's uh, again, a privilege to be here with, with both of you gentlemen. And uh, yeah, the story is, is this, um, I wanted to work for myself. I had an accounting background, wanted to work for myself. And a friend of mine suggested that I explore tax preparation. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, so the I went out and did all of the things that were needed to establish a tax preparation business, needed to find some clients. So I put flyers, I made up flyers on my own computer. And the funny thing is, you know, you don't have your, well, at least I, I will speak for myself. I didn't have confidence when I first started out. This is going back 21, 22 years now. And so even though I had scored well in school on tax preparation, um, I decided to target apartment complexes to put my flyers because I was afraid of Schedule A at the time. You know, I'm new to the profession. I wanted to keep it simple. I'm thinking of the 10, you know, the 1040 easy form and all of that stuff just to get my feet wet. So I started with flyers and I put them in apartment complexes so that I could avoid Schedule A. And it worked for the first year and a half. And then that second season did the same thing. Somebody came in and handed me a 1098 form and said, oh yeah, you know, I live in the apartment complex now, but I sold my house last year. Uh, but before I sold it, here was my 1098 because I'd still like to, you know, claim my mortgage interest. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But you know, it really, I'm going to be honest with you, it was one of the best things that happened to me because it forced me to take a situation that I really already knew but to work through it in a real life situation. And by virtue of working through that real life situation, you know, prepare the return, there were no issues. But the lesson it taught me is that as long as I understand the concept of what needs to be done, I can research and find an answer later. And that was a very important lesson because now fast forward 20 years where our business model is around tax planning and advisory tax services. That's exactly what we have to do. If we had to wait until we mastered everything and knew everything before we sat in front of a client, we wouldn't sell a thing. But understanding the power of understanding a concept, conceptually what you're trying to accomplish, and then having the confidence to, to know that you have access to resources to find the answers that you need to achieve your desired goal, which in this case is lower taxes, it is. It was a godsend lesson all those years ago, and it serves me well today. Well and, said, and, my friend. In doing all of that, you know, you, you're not just a tax preparer. You're a CPA, a certified mm -hmm. tax coach, so you're, you're continuing mm -hmm. education, and also you're a certified tax resolution specialist. So I guess your mm -hmm. niche has always been tax and the tax planning, and you've seen it grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And all of those. And what's the fascinating thing is, is, is through all of those things that, that you mentioned, you know, those they're, they're all entities or industries in, into and unto themselves. We, we like to think about it. And I like to think about it as we have this what we call tax service umbrella. And under this tax service umbrella, um, we have three different areas that are unique unto themselves. Now, the one that we're most familiar with as accountants and definitely people in the community is tax preparation, right? Everybody knows what tax preparation is. Why? Because the IRS requires us to file a return in the majority of cases, right? Every single year. And because as taxpayers, we're afraid of noncompliance because of the penalties and the punishments that could be associated with that, we file our tax return. But by and large, most people, they don't want to think about taxes. But there's this entire other industry 
of tax planning that's out there that really needs a seat at the table by itself. So it's not like a latch on, you know, it, it, it's not it's not like, you know, um, I think the illustration I'm thinking of is not like you're dragging it along along with tax preparation. Tax planning is something all to itself. It has its own seat at the table. And then to your point, David, resolution. Resolution has its own seat at the table too. It's a whole industry into and unto itself. And so focusing on those three, um, you can really help a person in a more comprehensive way than just doing the compliance work of a tax preparation uh, return every single year. And one more question about your uh, your business, and then I want to get into those use cases sure. we've been talking about. Yeah, Randy, you have a unique approach to your staffing model. As a successful mm-hmm. uh, you know firm, you're able to offer some some specifically unique uh, structure to your team. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we have a team. There's um, there's eight of us all together, counting myself. And the unique thing about us is all of us work part-time. Um, and that's specifically by design. The reason why we work part-time is because we want to make sure that we have the capacity to come up with the creative ideas that are required with things such as tax planning. So um, generally, we work between 15, each team member works somewhere between 15 to 30 hours per week. I'm on the 15-hour range myself, and then we have others that you know varied, and also depending on the time of year, of course, because it does pick up a little bit more during tax season, naturally. But the reason why we do that is we want to make sure that the team members have time for other things that they feel are important to them. Some of them like to travel. Some of them have families. Some of them have uh, community service. All of us do some form of volunteer work. We don't require that, but it's interesting that everybody has decided to do some type of volunteer work. And when we have those things outside of work, then we're more excited to come into work. And when we're more excited to come into work, it creates our creative capacity, which is really what you need when it comes to tax planning, if you want to be able to uh, produce the type of results that you're talking about in the initial stages of explaining it to a taxpayer. And then what I think is super cool about that too, just what we were talking about before we you know, started recording the episode, is this, this allows you to go back and forth and live in between Jamaica and Florida and That's live your right. best life. That's it. Yeah. And we absolutely Oops. love it. Lots of flexibility. <laughs> Folks, let's listen up because Randy is doing it right here. So Randy, let's talk about, let's get into this. Let's really help people. Talk sure. to us about how you serve your clients and, and you know, uh, soup to nuts, you know, from, from getting the client, selling them on the service and executing mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. That's an excellent question because we can talk about tax planning, but if we're not able to execute and implement, then we're really just talking about wishes and dreams, right? So precisely. So here's here, here's the it, it starts with for us anyway, we believe our, our philosophy is it starts with when we feel like we're gonna have the taxpayers' attention. When are we gonna have the taxpayers' attention? We know as a firm that some of the best tax plans are built either in January or sometimes even in the summer. Sometimes even in the summer, that's an excellent time to do tax planning, right? But the typical taxpayer doesn't necessarily want to hear about taxes in January or the summer. Why? Because the typical taxpayer doesn't like taxes. They have to pay taxes, right? They don't want to have to concentrate on it. And 
The tax return, as we explained earlier, is something that they're required to do. So they do it because they're required to. We completely understand that. So our challenge was trying to figure out, all right, we know that tax planning is best done either at the very beginning of the year or starting even in the summer. But we also know that our clients are not, or the taxpayer is not as engaged, not as excited or motivated to talk about taxes in the summer. How do we overcome that problem? What we found is best for us is we have to start laying the groundwork during tax season when individuals have made a conscious decision to focus on taxes. So what we do in our firm is we use the results when, when it's time to deliver results. Hey, this is what you owe. This is what you're getting back. We choose to use that as an opportunity to educate and explain to the client what's actually happened. Because that's when we have their attention, especially if they have a balance due, right? If an individual has a balance due, a lot of times they want to know, why do I have a balance due? Why is it more than it was last year? What did I do wrong? What did I do differently? What can I do? You know, That's when you have their attention, when they realize they have to stroke a check or give bank information for the IRS to pull. So we, we start to lay the seeds and the groundwork there because we have their attention at that particular point. Now, sometimes we're able to go straight into the process. More times though, what ends up happening is we lay the seed there and then we follow up a few months later. Because once the seed is laid, they know they have a problem. We're not necessarily in a rush to try to sell them right then and there because they're trying to run around how to deal with the IRS. That might not be the best time to come to them and say, okay, in addition to this, now we also want you to pay for this and this. Psychologically, they may not be able to deal with that. But we lay the seed, hey, this feeling that you're feeling right now, you don't have to feel this next year. We see some ways, we see some areas we can help you with this. We would love to talk to you about it in a couple of weeks. Would you be interested in a conversation? Once they say yes to that, then we have to follow up. And that's generally what we do. So how does the process look? We'll usually send a communication because we already have their tax return, we already know, we already have an idea of what type of strategies we can use to help them. So we internally, because we've gotten so good at tax planning, we usually have a ballpark. We usually know a range of what we'll be able to save them if they pull the trigger on this strategy, that strategy, or that strategy, right? So then what we do is we set up a complimentary meeting. And just to kind of lay the groundwork for this, this is really a, it's a, it's a four, it's a three meeting process with additional meetings to, 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 to follow. So let's just start with that. When we approach tax planning, and for those of you that are interested in tax planning, you're thinking, how do I do this? How do I set this up? Out of the gate, you want to know this is going to be at least three meetings that you're going to have with your tax client when you're setting up a process for tax planning. The first one is a complimentary meeting. It's where you explain what tax planning is. And the reason why that's important is because your taxpayers right now think tax planning is finding out their bill on April 5th and then being told to contribute to an IRA. They think that's tax planning. That's not tax planning. That's, not, that's a good idea during the tax preparation process, but that is not tax planning. Um, so we have a complimentary meeting to help them to understand what tax planning actually is. And a lot of times what we do is many individuals are focused on that balance due number, we draw their attention to the total tax number. So we'll ask them, how much do you think you paid in taxes last year, by the way? And they always, 
always undercut that number. And we say, no, actually, what you paid is up here online. I can't remember the number right now, a line now, line 30, line 20, line 30. But it's not that it's not the number on the bottom of page two. It's the number in the middle of page two on the 1040, right? Your total tax number. So our goal with tax planning is to address this number, not the number at the bottom, because the number at the bottom can be adjusted with increased withholdings, with estimated tax payments. We're trying to adjust the actual tax that's being paid throughout the year. Once they understand that, then it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, how do we get that number down? Glad you asked. Then we talk to them about the process. And we divide tax planning into six different categories six different categories that we can pull from to help to reduce that bill as low as we can. So once we explain the process, we ask them, does this sound appealing to you? And inevitably they say yes. And then we say, well, now that you know how much you paid in taxes, how much would you like to save? You tell me, how much would you like to save in taxes? So you paid $70,000 last year just in tax. Now you didn't stroke a check, but it came out throughout the year. How much of that 70,000 would you like to save next year? And you get a number. And then once you have that, once we have that number, once they have that number in mind, we now know based on experience what we already know or believe we can do based on having already looked at their situation. And then we have four tax plans that we uh, already have ready. And then we place which plan we think is going to be best for them based on what we feel we can do and based on the savings we're looking to achieve. And then we'll quote them on that plan. Now, if they say, no, I'm not interested right now, it's really them saying not yet. Because here's the thing, uh, Jason and David, the tax liability is not going to go away. They're going to have this problem if they don't do something, right? So it's just a not yet. So they don't have enough pain yet. So we just wait it out. But if they say yes, then they pay for the engagement. Then we go to the discovery meeting. That's a more comprehensive analysis of what we're going to do for them based on their situation. And then about two or three weeks after that, then we have what's called the presentation meeting, where now we've now identified these three or four ideas that we bring to them that are going to get them the savings that we talked about. And we present those ideas to them in a comprehensive plan. Then at that particular point, we set them up on a maintenance plan where we meet with them every quarter, at least every quarter, to make sure that the things on the plan are actually being executed because there's nothing worse than having someone pay for a plan, they absolutely do nothing with it, then you prepare their taxes and they don't see a difference. Because you know the question that's gonna come back, right? Why did I pay for this? Why did you sell me this if there's no difference? That's the reason why we require now the maintenance plan. We didn't always require maintenance, but we require it now to make sure that the steps are, are followed. And then when we get to the next tax season now, we prepare the return two ways. We prepare the return with the tax strategies that have been implemented, and we prepare the return assuming they had not done any of those things so that they can see the difference. Because remember the pain point when we gave them the result the previous year? That's what got their attention. So we know we're going to have their attention again next year. So we want to say, you know, remember that pain you felt? Well, this year is this much lower. But you know what? Had you not done anything, we would have been coming to you with this number. Then they get a chance to look at the difference. And then they understand why they have the plan. Absolutely. That's kind of a long-winded answer, but I hope it answers the question. No, no, I, I loved every bit of that, Randy. And I think our listeners probably will too, because you know, that's the thing that people are trying to wrap their head around is like, how do I execute this? What is the process I should be looking at? 
how do I how do I sell the value to clients? Right? You just described all those things, and I love the little tidbit at the end about how you show them the the difference between the two because the the proof is in the pudding. That's it. Let me hit a question here. When you say you get to a point, you offer them four different options before you really get into it. Mm-hmm. Is that four different categories that are plain vanilla for everyone before you dig into it? Uh, from a pricing standpoint, yes. Um, so we have what we call levels. We have what we call the level zero, which we don't present initially. We have a level one, a level two, and a level three. And generally speaking, it depends on the type of setup that the taxpayer has, which is going to determine which level we have. Are they a business owner? Are they a W-2, um, a primarily a W-2 earner? That's going to, those types of questions are going to determine which level we're going to uh, pitch them on. And also, how, what type of revenue are they bringing in? Because the more revenue they're bringing in, the more opportunities there are for, for, for tangible savings. And that's going to that's going to play a part into which level we, 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 we present them with. But if we get into a situation where, and this is something that's important for those of you that are thinking about tax planning, when we get into a situation where it seems like none of those level one, level two, or level three work, we have this level zero, which is a little less than half the cost of level one. And if you want me to get into pricing, I absolutely will. Just let me know once I finish this thought and we can talk about that. But we have this level one, which is a little bit about, about half of what the level one costs. And we keep that in our back pocket for this reason. Let's say that we go through the presentation, the person sees the value, but in their mind, they can't wrap their mind around paying for a tax plan at that particular point. We say, okay, we understand, no problem. We let a few months go by. We don't try to bring it back around immediately. We let a few months go by because we know the problem hasn't gone away. Then we will revisit them with another option and say, you know, we had this meeting with you a couple of months ago, and usually it's me doing those follow-ups. So my team usually does the other follow-ups, you know, the initial meetings and things of that nature. But if they don't pull the trigger, then usually I, as the owner, will jump in and say, hey, I noticed you had a meeting with my team, but you didn't pull the trigger. I just wanted to check in with you. Did you find another resolution for your tax situation? And if not, is there anything that I personally can do to help? And when that happens and they're getting a call from me as the owner, they usually, they will tell you why they haven't pulled the trigger. And if the reason is financial, I just couldn't wrap my mind around paying for, you know, a level one for us costs about $5,000, $5,600, just for perspective. I couldn't wrap my mind around paying that kind of money. You know what? I completely understand. Can you mind if I take another look at your situation to see if there's something else that we can do for you? And if there is then I come in with that level zero, which is at around $2,000 and say, what if we could make this plan work for you and get you some tangible savings? And usually it works pretty nicely because now they have a starting point. And here's the beauty of it. If they are a business owner, because, well, let me, let me back up and say this first. If you're going to sell a tax plan for that kind of money, you have to make sure that you're saving the person at least that much either in the first year or in the years to come. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And it really comes back as like a boomerang to bite you as the business owner, because the person wants to know, why, why, did, why did you sell this to me? You know, I paid this money. You said I was going to save taxes. It doesn't make sense to them, right? So we're always looking to make sure that they get more savings than what they're paying us. So let's take the $2,000 scenario. Let's say that they're, that's the level zero that we charge. If they're a business owner, and let's say that they're in the 24 or 25% tax bracket. Just by purchasing the plan, 
we've already helped them save $500 against their taxes just by virtue of the fact that they purchased the plan. You see what I mean? So we build that into the we build that into our calculations and 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 when we're going forward. And then of course there's always things. There's always things that can be found to make up that difference. It's just a matter of guiding them in the right direction. But, but whenever they're paying you, they're getting a bigger savings in tax in all cases. So if I'm paying you twenty five hundred, you're probably telling me I'm going to save at least five thousand dollars in taxes or something along those lines. So I see whatever I'm paying for, I'm getting more back. Yeah, exactly. And yes, that is the, that, that's the reasoning behind it, because otherwise it doesn't make sense to the taxpayer. However, when we offer the plan, we're very, um, we're very deliberate about how we word that, because we can't tie the cost of our plan. Can't guarantee. To, exactly. Because it gets sticky, you get into trouble, and in some cases that's not even legal, right? So we have to be very strategic and how we word that. And usually the way we approach it is you're paying for a certain number of strategies. And we are paying for a certain number of strategies. And then we, on our end, internally, we make sure that those strategies add up to what makes sense for the taxpayer. Sometimes that means we have to kick in a few additional strategies, which we don't mind doing, because we have to make sure it's a win for the taxpayer. If it's not a win for the taxpayer, we've wasted their time, we've hurt our reputation, and it's not a good scenario either way. So if I tell you we're going to sell you two strategies, but it takes me four or five to make sure you get your money back, you're going to get the four or five, basically, is how we approach it internally, uh, the way we do it anyway. That's perfect. So this is a perfect transition into uh, some of the use cases. Give us some examples of how you've executed this, uh, this approach. All right, I'll give you one of the most comprehensive ones that happened just earlier this year, and it was it was literally a home run. And I'm going to tell you, not all of them are home runs like this one, but this one was. This one was a home run. Uh, this is an individual who has been following our our firm for quite a number of years. They had their own accountant, interestingly, but they were following some things that we had been doing on social media and things of that nature, and. Something happened where the person they were using was no longer available to do their return. Well, because they had been following us for a number of years, they said, let's give it a shot. You know, we like listening to when they give informational, uh, you know, learning on this topic or that topic. So let's give it a shot. So we do the review. And what we learned when we did the review, because we always do a review before we give a quote for a tax return. Um, what we learned when they were doing a review is that they had a business that they had started four years ago. And when we inquired and met with them after giving them a quote, we learned that they were interested in selling it. So they said, you know, we, we're interested in selling this. We're just, we're thinking about selling it on this particular date. Um, is there anything that you can tell us? Well, we realized that they qualified for section 1202 as long as the sale was just pushed back by a couple of months. Section 1202 is a provision that says that if you have small business stock in a C corp, a qualified C corporation, and you sell it five years later, then the capital gains is excluded from federal tax. They did not know that. And so what we did is we said, hey, we see some opportunities here. We really, this is how we approach tax planning. We see some opportunities here. And we feel like they're pretty substantial. We didn't tell them the exact number in that scenario, but we told them enough. And 
they pulled the trigger. So they decided to do a level two in that case. They paid $9,000 for their plan. But here's the thing. When we actually ran the numbers, so we started to do the work once they paid for the engagement. When we actually started to do the work, gentlemen, we realized that by pushing, giving them the direction to push the sale back a couple of months, which they said that they could do, this was going, this move was going to save them over $160,000 because of this provision. Wow. We went back and checked up all the, but they had to hold it for at least five years, but unknown to themselves, they were about to sell it at about the four and a half year mark just because they were ready for retirement. You know, they hadn't had any other direction. We were like, whoa, hold on, stretch this out a couple of months. We take advantage of this, this provision. And then you walk away and we ran the numbers and it ended up being about $160,000 savings. The $9,000 was nothing to them when they understood that they had that type of savings as a result of that provision. And what ends up happening with a, with a win like that is now they go and they tell their friends and now their friends come over and not all of them fa- qualify for the same things. But you know, you find what works for each individual situation at that particular point. So that was a huge win from this particular year. And am I, am I doing the math right on this ROI here, Randy? That's a that's a one thousand seven hundred and seventy seven percent return on investment. That's it. <laughs> and that's just and and that's just the first year. That's just one because thing. one of the things that's yeah. Now, are they going to have that type of savings every year? No. But with a tax plan, a tax plan is not just one big idea. Tax plan is a combination of ideas, and those other ideas that they got along with the tax plan, they can duplicate that in year two year three, year four, year five. And with us, unless there's a significant change, you're not buying another tax plan. You're on maintenance, but those other things are taking care of the maintenance by far. And it's a win-win for, for us and for the client. Sounds like you didn't charge near enough. Yeah, well, you know, we didn't know the numbers. Well, we knew we had something, but we hadn't run the numbers at that particular point. We definitely could have charged more. So that's something, again, for those of you that are considering tax planning, that's why the review process is such an important, deciding what you want to include in your review process. If you decide that you want to um, incorporate a more comprehensive review, then you know those numbers uh, and then you can probably gauge based on that so that you're, you're absolutely right. That could be adjusted depending on what your review process is like. Yeah. What a cool example. Yeah. I was going to say, I like everything I'm hearing, but it's just a thought. I'm probably off the wall and Jason will shut me up. but. Uh, wouldn't a different approach as you go forward with these clients talk about, hey, we do tax advisory services and part of our tax advisory where you're paying us an annual fee, tax returns part of the deliverable, we will come up with tax planning ideas through our advisory services based on your unique needs. So instead of selling them a plan, you're actually putting them on subscription pricing. I'm looking at it a little differently because we're going to give you advisory services based on your needs. And each year we'll come up with other things based on what goes on. So I'm just looking at changing it around a little. Does that, that make any sense? That makes excellent sense, David. And to your point, we agree with you. And so that's why when we sell a tax plan, so they pay for the tax plan. But then after that, we also sell them a maintenance plan. And that maintenance plan is a quarterly arrangement where they pay anywhere from five to six hundred dollars per quarter. And the purpose of the maintenance plan is to make sure that the tax, the original tax plan is executed. But then also that maintenance plan takes care of their tax preparation for the following year. 
It also allows us to incorporate some of the smaller things like, you know, oh, contribute to your IRA, oh, home office deduction. I mean, those little things, all of that's included in a maintenance plan year over year. So once we sell the plan, there's still another opportunity for between $1,500 to $2,000 per year because we're constantly working with the client. And so for the clients, now that you brought it up, because inevitably what's going to happen, especially the accountants out there that are thinking about adding this and they're going to say, how do I sell somebody? How do I go to somebody and say, I want to sell you a $9,000 plan? And then, oh, I want to come back and I want to hit you up for another $500 every three months. How do you do that? Right. That's a good question. That's an excellent question. And here's something that we would like to encourage you to use that's worked very, very well for us. We use the analogy of a vehicle. When you go out and purchase a vehicle, you're paying an initial cost for that vehicle. But you know you have to maintain that vehicle as the years go by. You're going to have to replace the tires. You're going to have to get oil changes. You're going to have to replace the fluids. You're going to have to do something. Now, if you're buying a really luxurious car, they may sell you something and say, hey, we're going to include all of that, but you're paying some type of subscription for it. But if you're buying a car that doesn't come with that, you're having to go to the mechanic and you're having to come out of your pocket every single time you do the oil change, every time you do the tire rotation, the alignment, all of those things. You have to put gas in it. The dealership doesn't pay for your gas. They sell you the car. You still got to put gas in it, right? The maintenance plan is something very similar. You're buying the plan. And now we're going to help you maintain that investment through the maintenance program. And, and I love that it's required. Yeah. And, and you know what? It, we learn the hard way. Um, well, let me not say the hard way. We learn through experience that that's best because when we first started them, um, gentlemen, people would get them. We would have a, what we call our presentation meeting. It made complete sense. And then we get the tax time and they hadn't done anything. And then we looked. You know, imagine how it makes us look. Now, usually people will acknowledge, yeah, you told me to do it and I didn't do it. But still, as the ones putting the plan together, we feel bad too, because we don't want to, we don't want this to look like we're just trying to take your money. We want to, we want you to have results because if you have results, you're going to go and tell your friends and then your friends are going to come in too, right? right. So we realize that the, the maintenance for plan, it, it helps us to help them execute the plan so they get the savings they need. Well, and not only are they going to go tell their friends, but then that's going to help you attract those ideal clients that are the right fit for your services exactly. versus posting flyers in an apartment complex and scared to yeah, death. Exactly. Gonna With or lack, <laughs> do you have a, a minimum requirement on income earned before you accept a client? Um, throwing that out. Well, that's a good question. One thing what we will do is not really an income earned but tax paid through the years. You could tie that to the income that they've earned, right? Because if we get a tax return and we review it and we see that the person only paid $10,000 in total tax for the year, probably not going to try to sell them a plan because it's going to be tough, especially if they're just a W2. If they don't have a business and they're only W2, it's going to be tough to eliminate that $10,000, right? But if we see opportunities where we can, they're paying a large total tax and we see opportunities to get that down, then yes, you know, so we're, 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 we're looking at it more, we're looking less at total revenue, we're looking more at total tax paid. Now, there are opportunities for individuals that are only W-2 earners. There's quite a few ideas out there. Um, and so, you know, for those of you that are tapping into that market, that is something that we encourage you 
to, to, to look into. And I believe Intuit helps with those types of things as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. So on that note, Randy, I was thinking about, you know, like that example of the $160,000 savings and it's, you know, 1,700% return on investment. That's a, yeah. that's a grand example, right? Which is an awesome example of how right. something so simple could be so wildly successful. Yeah. Do you have more examples of things that, that our listeners might run into on kind of more of an everyday type of a situation? Yeah, that's an excellent example. So um, some things that we would suggest that, well, well, it depends on what you consider every day. Are we talking about individuals that own real estate as every day, or are we talking about more simple than that? Um, I don't know. What I mean, whatever we think is the most relevant to the listeners, I think maybe go beyond a, a niche uh something mm-hmm. something that's just a little more common that you see well re- real estate's probably a common one people own real mm-hmm. estate what are their mm-hmm. opportunities I and guess? a lot of real estate pros will like they engage you know professionals okay. to with, with their taxes so then here's a couple of things that we really would encourage as it relates to real estate there's there's two things that we look for when we're, when we're looking at real estate number one especially if they're a client that's coming in we're taking a look at depreciation you would be surprised at how many returns we see where the depreciation is incorrect. Um, so, and a lot of times it's because people have tried to do the tax return themselves. Uh, sometimes it's individuals, they've gone from tax preparer to tax preparer and some things didn't get carried over. Um, so for those reasons, we always take a look at depreciation. If we come to a situation where the depreciation is wrong and it's actually in the favor of the taxpayer, meaning once we make this correction, they're going to get a really, really big you know, they're going to get a nice uh, reduction in tax, uh, then that's something that is really, really nice. So that would be a 3115 form. It's a correction of accounting form, but you can do catch-up depreciation on there. That's a really, really big one for those individuals that have real estate. Another one that we like to do with our um, our high-profile clients, but it also works for individuals who aren't making, you know, quite so much money is if you're dealing with taxpayers that have cyclical income, in other words, they have some years where it's high and then other years where it's low, maybe they're contractors, maybe they do contract work and they have some years where it's high and then it goes down and it's, it kind of rides like that. We like to do analysis where we have some tax strategies that we apply in the high earned years and then other tax strategies that we apply when the income is lower. So when the income is high, we're talking to them about cash balance plans, possibly donor advised funds. Um, and we're also helping them to put some money away in an account that they can use for other things in the low, in the low earning years. And we're not just talking about bills. We're talking about money that they can use to their advantage in those years. In a situation where a person has real estate, especially if they have a number of real estate uh, properties that they're dealing with, a nice strategy that we like to incorporate uh, if individuals have the funds to do it, is in the low years, sell one of your properties that has appreciated. If the capital gain is roughly around a hundred to two hundred thousand, then we can do some tax planning to get the income for that individual under the eighty nine thousand or whatever it is right now, so that they pay zero capital gains tax on that particular year. It's not going to work in a year where they have high income, but in a year where they have low income, and we're just dealing with the capital gains, then we will give them advice on when to actually pull the trigger on the sale of that appreciated property. And if the appreciation plus the income is still too high for that threshold, then we're coming back at them with 
the things that I mentioned earlier, the donor advice fund, which allows you to put a large amount of money away for charity, but then distribute the funds later, or the cash balance plan, which the best way to describe that is like an IRA on steroids, basically allows you to put contributions away a much more aggressively than a traditional IRA. Let's put it that way. Those are some of the ideas that we have. We can go with some simpler ones if you'd like, but those are ones that we usually see quite often, especially with individuals with real estate. You ever use a, a throw this out, an opportunity zone credit with anybody? I just learned uh, something cool about that. Uh, it's where people can invest in a distressed area and end up with a lot of tax savings. So distressed area. You want to hear a distressed area, Jason? San Jose, California. <laughs> because the areas around it have much more income. So your investment is safe. And San Jose is where you have your, uh, used to have your QuickBooks uh, Connect. That's right. Think, about, think mm -hmm. about that. So that's something. No correlation to us moving to the Vegas uh, spot, though, by the way. Right. But you know, <laughs> just, just thinking about that, you know, I'm sure that that's another great, if someone's got a lot of money sitting around, say, hey, and you, you ask them to invest in certain ideas, I'm guessing. Absolutely. And the opportunity zone is a nice way to accomplish that. That's an, that's an outstanding suggestion, actually, yeah. for individuals who are interested in real estate. This is really cool. You know, I think, Randy, we really, I think you did a really good job of unpacking both the, the how you approach the work. You, thank you for your transparency on your pricing as well, because mm -hmm. uh, that's something that people tell us all the time. I, I don't know what number to attach to this. Right. Like, what mm -hmm. is reasonable? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. you know, some people have kind of packages that are more consistent across the board and others, you know, it's case by case. I, I've talked to mm -hmm. other practitioners that do similar work that, you know, each client ends up with different amounts, um, you know, based on the different situations. So, I think that just goes to show. And then what I also love about your pricing model is um, you're doing a, a, like a combination flat fee and subscription. Exactly. And so what, what's what's awesome about that, and and this is something I've been learning more and more lately because I, I push the you know I push the the conversation a lot with with pros that I talk to. You know, you got to move to subscription. You got to move to subscription. You know, mm -hmm. especially if you're on hourly, get up, get off at hourly. But the fact of the matter is, you know, lots of people. Lots of firms approach their pricing differently, and that's okay because you got to do what makes most sense for how your firm operates, the culture that your firm runs on, and how you want to interact and engage with your clients. Mm -hmm. And so you've done exactly that. So brilliant. Yeah. And then, and then just you. digging into the strategies themselves and talking about that. Perfect, perfect examples for our mm -hmm. listeners that are are struggling to figure out, you know, how do I how do I wrap my head around all this stuff? So awesome absolutely. Stuff. Great. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Randy, um, you are developing some, uh, or maybe already have developed some resources for uh, account tax and accounting pros uh, as well, mm -hmm. right? You want to talk a little that's, bit about that? I would love to, yes. So we have a course called The Well-Rounded Accountant. It's a program uh, that is, um, a. we have a six-month version and a 12-month version of the course, but the course is, in, is designed to teach CPAs, EAs, and tax preparers what we call the five basic areas of accounting, which we feel are tax planning, tax preparation, tax resolution, bookkeeping, and then CFO advisory service. We teach and cover all five of those in the program. Then once you go through what we call the basic coursework, which is about two weeks on each of these, plus some things on value pricing so that you know how to price your services, uh, then you pick your major or your niche, so to speak. We focus in on that particular niche, whichever one of these fives that you pick, 
And then that completes the first six months of the course. And then the next six months is what we call real life application. So kind of going back to what we started the conversation with, we can talk about our ideas all day, but if we don't know how to execute them, then what have we really accomplished? So in the course, once the accountant has picked, gotten a well-rounded view of all of these areas, and now they've picked their niche, now for the next six months, they work along with myself and our staff accountants on that particular niche. And we allow them to help us with some of our clients and we help them with their clients in real life situations so that they can see how what they've learned in class actually, how it actually works in real life. So the things that we just talked about in our call here today, we're working one-on-one with those individuals in real life scenarios so that they can get a feel and get their feet, their sea legs underneath them, so to speak. And that's basically the program. So it's called the well-rounded account. I love that you're doing that, Randy. It, it, the the need for that is so strong. So folks, where where should people go if they want to learn more about that program, Randy? That's an excellent. Go to our website, cpennies.com. That's www.thelettercpennies, spelled out P-E-N-N-I-E-S.com. And there'll be a hashtag on there for the well-rounded accountant. And that will take you to all the information about the course and uh, when the next one runs, which is in the not too distant future. Outstanding. Well, folks, go be sure to go check that out. We, we, we need more people like you, Randy, in the world. And, and thanks for sharing your, your insights with us. Well, Thank you so much. That's all uh, we have time for today, folks. Uh, Randy, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to next time. And for those, uh, for those listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.